I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Rain is falling outside my window here on the late afternoon of August the 8th, August the 8th, April the 8th, just when I thought I was getting my days right during this pandemic. Uh, It is Wednesday, April the 8th, raining here in Iowa City at about 3.45 p.m. And uh, you have the Hawkeye Nation mailbag podcast once again. I, I was thinking to myself took a walk with my youngest daughter earlier this afternoon and um, I was thinking to myself, this Wednesday came quicker than last Wednesday for me. Um, we're getting into a routine here during this uh, shelter in place, quarantine, what have you for the COVID-19. Um, and I think our homeschool routine and dinner routine and exercise routine and all the routines that we've been able to fall into is kind of helped pass the time a little bit better, um, getting a lot of good family time in. So if there's anything positive of this, that certainly is. um, Kids and I go out every day. We call it the homeschool recess at one o'clock after we eat lunch and been playing wiffle ball the last few days. And you can, I threw a video clip of that up on my Twitter feed today at uh, Rob Howe HN on Twitter. And, uh, it's fun. It's fun to play basketball and baseball and, and stuff you don't really get a chance to do as much when my kids are uh, 15, 13, and nine and a half, and uh, everybody's kind of doing their own thing, own activities and things, hanging out with friends, and uh, kind of lost our way there a little bit with family time. But uh, gotten that back here in the last month. Uh, that said, we would all like things to get back to normal and people to be safe. Um, but we certainly are following the shelter in place um, guidelines um, that Coach Ferentz and Coach McCaffrey and Coach Brands and Coach Bluter and everybody else are following uh, in the Hawkeye Nation, and hopefully you guys are too. Um, didn't have as many questions for this mailbag. Uh, I and that's I'll take that uh, responsibility for that. It. Uh, it it, uh, slipped my mind last night, Tuesday, April the 7th. I usually post uh, soliciting questions for this podcast 
at least by Tuesday night, sometimes a little bit earlier than that, but I had forgotten and didn't do it until this morning, uh, posted on Twitter, Facebook, and the Hawkeye Nation message boards. Last I checked, there wasn't. I think there was only one question from the Hawkeye Nation message board, so um, those guys are too busy um, arguing with each other on our coronavirus thread that now, let me check in here, uh, let's see how many... It is a uh, – since we started the, the thread on March 14th, we have 63 – just under 64,000 views and 2,221 responses on this thread. If you guys are looking for some entertainment, are, are, it's uh, titled, Are You Personally Worried About Getting the Coronavirus? Uh, posted by Estron Hawk King, uh, one of our regular posters back on March the 14th. Uh, which was a few days after um, the Big Ten tournament was canceled and and it was really starting to hit. So, uh, yeah, that's on our basketball board if anybody wants to check that out. But let's get into your questions here. This probably won't be as long of a podcast, which is okay with me as as I posted on our message board. I'm making some pasta sauce tonight and just added the meatballs in there. my mom is a uh, 100% Italian. My dad is half Italian, so it makes me 75% Italian. I'm not good at math, but was able to figure that out. So I'd like to make my own homemade pasta sauce, and the kids like to eat it. So little sa- Italian sausage in there and meatballs, and uh, we'll be ready to go tonight around 5.30 or 6 o'clock. So let's, let's uh, commence to answering some questions here from you guys. Uh, Cody Hills. Many of you guys by Cody Hills on at, at by Cody Hills on Twitter was the first one to get in a question today. And I appreciate it, Cody. Good to hear from you. Please uh, feel free to send questions whenever you like. I know Cody's a journalist down in Florida. Um, I don't know if he knows this, but I worked with his dad for a time at the Iowa city press citizen, uh, Kurt Hills. Um, haven't, I haven't talked to Kirk Kurt in years, uh, but it was a, was a great guy and, and a guy who was fun to work with. But um, so if you're here, this Cody, please say hi to your dad for me. And thank you for the question. And Cody's question is assuming Luca Garza returns for his senior season. What is the ceiling for this Iowa hoops or what is the ceiling, excuse me, for Iowa hoops in 2021? And I appreciate using the HN mail hashtag helps me find these things a little bit easier. Um, you know, Cody, it's hard to know, and I don't want to act like I'm dodging this question at all, but just from without digging in deep as to what teams are bringing in and, you know, recruit, recruits and grad transfers and all that, you know, jazz, um, for me, just looking at what I know without before digging in, I think Iowa is a Final Four contender. And then once you get there, anything can happen. So, um Certainly a sweet 16. You got to think the, the long 20-plus uh, year drought of the sweet 16 would be very much within reach. Um, and then beyond that, I think Iowa can make a run. I mean, if Garza comes back, you're talking about a guy who should have won the National Player of the Year awards. Uh, he won one of the six that comprise consensus uh, Player of the Year. Obi Toppin, as we know, won the other five. Luca Gracious, when Obi won the uh, – Obi won <laughs> – uh, won the um, Wooden Award on Tuesday, uh, Luca took to Twitter to congratulate him and try to calm the Hawkeye fans' outrage. But Luca was the best player in college basketball this year. That's no disrespect to Obi Toppin or Marcus Howard 
or Miles Powell or Peyton Pritchard, all those guys had really good seasons and were deserving of first team All American honors. But, um, oh, you know, Luca Garza, 16 games in a row of 20 plus points in the toughest conference in the country, which was stacked with big men. You can't convince me otherwise, and his defense, defensive metrics weren't to the point where uh, that should have uh, precluded him from winning the award. So I uh, got, uh, got up on my soapbox there a little bit for player of the year. But, um, you know, with Wieskamp coming back, and we have a story from Rick Brown that will run tomorrow morning on Thursday, April 9th, with him talking to Fran about the potential of this team next year. Uh, Fran, with some quotes on there, what he feels like he's got coming back. You just don't see what Iowa has coming back very often. Guys that are already already established on the college level as star players or, or really good players that come back and stay together. I mean, you talk about, you know, Connor McCaffrey leading the country in assist to turnover this year. And Luca, we know what he did. And Joe Wieskamp, although he hit a bit of a funk towards the end of the season, obviously had some really good games, including a 30-pointer against, oh, I can't remember who, somebody in the Big Ten. Was it Nebraska, maybe? Uh, anyway, um, you know, and C.J. Frederick even having injuries, showing his potential, and then Jack Nunji coming off injury and Jordan Bohannon coming off injury and hopefully getting Patrick McCaffrey back uh, and Joe Toussaint another year wiser and better. Um, and then the five incoming freshmen, hopefully you can get some contributions there. But to have as many proven players in this, you know, environment of college basketball where so many of the good players are one and done or two and done. Um, you have to put this team. I mean, I, I would think that Iowa would be a consensus top 10 team and in the top five to start next season. If Luke and Joe both come back, um, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if those guys are able to test the NBA draft process, if there is an NBA draft process with what's going on uh, with the sport being shut down, like all the others with the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So We'll have to see how that shakes out. Thanks for the question, Cody. Um, yeah, I think Final Four is – and I guess you can make that national title contender, but Final Four, then anything can happen. But I certainly think Iowa is a Final Four-level team with everybody coming back. All right, let's stick on Twitter because that's where we uh, that's where we started with Cody's question. Omahawk at Omaha6 on Twitter with the transfer of pencil and graduation of Creener, how important is Nunji going to be as an inside presence and on the boards? Is giving up offensive rebounds going to be a trend against next again next year? Yeah, if you were looking for um, an Achilles heel for Iowa this season, it certainly was games where uh, it was uh, handled. Uh, on the glass, uh, particularly allowing offensive rebounds and second chances. And as we know, Iowa's defense isn't good to isn't good enough to be able to overcome giving up offensive rebounds, scramble situations, things like that. Iowa just it's not the way it is built, and it needs to be better on the offensive glass. And I really do think Nunji will help in that area. I think Jack was poised to have a really good season this past season before excuse me, tearing his ACL. Um, so I would certainly expect him to be uh, a key component of this team next year. Hopefully he's, and he is healing well from the ACL. He did it so early in the season that he should be fine uh, once the teams are able to come back for workouts, whenever that may be. 
Uh, he should be able to hit the ground running. Um, and just a really, I thought his shot looked good from deep this year. I think he really compliments Luca well and a guy that can, like Creener, can step out and doesn't need to be on the low block, but can also operate on the low block. Uh, very athletic and explosive, too. Uh, so he, he will be able to help in that regard. I think he's, he's a huge, huge component, Omaha. I, and, I, and I think Jack's ready now. You think about it, Jack will be a fourth-year um, what would he be a fourth year junior? So uh, even though he has, he's missed a couple seasons, he's, he's physically, he should be able to bang in the big 10 um, and be able to hold his own inside and will really compliment Luca. Well, and uh, like you said, with Creener and pencil moving on, uh, he's going to be needed. Uh, Kyle at Kyle Bolin on Twitter, likelihood the big 10, teams cancel non-conference games and starts playing conference games in October early predictions for the 2021 NFL draft early entrance for Iowa okay so let's go with the first question and that's kind of what I've been trying to um, process in my mind and use as a realistic outcome in my mind Um, you know and, and you have people that you know, say, you know, you, you have people from the Mike Gundy camp where it's time to get back to work and let's start playing games. And, you know, Dabo Sweeney, the, the season's going to start on time. We just don't know yet. We're not in control of this. The virus is. And I think you err on the side of caution. And if you look at states like New Jersey, New York, California, more dense with big cities, densely, densely populated cities, these cities may not want sports to be played and groups of 10 or more, 50 or more, whatever it is that we adjust to coming together to watch sporting events. So this stuff is also very fluid. Um, and I thir- certainly think that there's a real good chance that, that there's not a nine game conference season for the big 10. I don't know how good of a chance, but I think that is certainly uh, a plausible outcome for for how this thing gets together because I don't remember if I talked about this on last week's podcast if I had if we had uh, spoken with uh, Kirk Ferentz on the teleconference yet but as he explained and I think this was really valuable information he feels that college football teams are going to need at least four weeks a month with these strength and conditioning programs to get back in a good enough shape to physically be able to go out on the field and hit each other and have a full contact practice. So if you look at July 1st as being that day, does the NCAA, okay, say July 1st, teams can get back together, which I think is still a stretch to have over 100 people together uh, practicing football and and doing – you know, strength and conditioning, getting, getting in shape. Uh, but just say for the sake of argument, they get back July 1st, you're thinking a month straight of strength and conditioning gets you to August for the beginning of camp, then another month, and then you're able to play games maybe, you know, at the end of August, the beginning of September, which the original, original uh, schedule that would fall in line with the original schedule. I, it just, it's hard for me to believe that that's going to be the case. So just let's throw out an arbitrary August 1st date for, for the teams to reconvene and get back together. That gives you the month of 
August to get back strength and conditioning wise, then you start full contact practice, say September one, how many weeks do you need to get in shape before you're able to, to get on a, you know, and play games. You got to think it's at least three weeks, but probably more likely a month. And then that would fall into your timetable, Kyle, of that October 1st, um, uh, just conference games, the nine conference game schedule. Uh, so a lot of things to still be figured out there. Let's just hope there is some type of college football season in some way, shape, or form. The, uh, the thought of not having college football is too depressing for me to think about right now. So I am just going to keep keeping on and, and taking these things day by day and see what happens, but I am hopeful. Um, AZN Hawkeye at AZN Hawkeye on Twitter asks, which Iowa player will be the next or has the best chance to win Big Ten DB of the Year award? Hmm. That is a really good question. Um, and we've had plenty of them from Desmond King to Josh Jackson to Amani Hooker, uh, Micah Hyde. Iowa is uh, underrated when it comes to developing members of the secondary and uh, in conjunction with that, Phil Parker is underrated in, as a coach nationally and, and as a developer of talent. And uh, it's uh, amazing how he gets overlooked a lot of times when you hear people talk about um, the best coordinators in the country and position coaches. He's, he's uh, one of the best coordinators and one of the best position coaches. So um, I'm trying to think, I think Matt Hankins is solid. I don't know if he's defense, but I've seen guys make that jump too with, you know, going into your, their senior years, really making that jump. And he's certainly talented, talented enough to make that jump. I am going to go out a little bit on a limb here and say Dane Belton, wherever he ends up, whether it be the cash position or the strong safety spot. He reminds me a lot of Amani Hooker, uh, really good, bigger defensive back, athlete, hybrid type. I think he could have the type of impact by the time he is a senior to be in that conversation for DB of the year uh, in the conference. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Dane Belton. A lot of young guys, though, that, that still have a chance to maybe uh, push their names into that conversation. As, as we know, a lot of, I don't know if any of us would have predicted defensive back of the year for, for the guys that uh, have, have won it already. So uh, it interesting, always interesting to see who Phil Parker is able to develop in that back end. Uh, Jake Schaefer at J Schaefer 11 on Twitter asked, if you had to cover a big 10 team besides Iowa, who would you choose? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, and this is gonna, this is certainly gonna, you're putting me in a tough spot. here, Jake. You're gonna, you're gonna get people angry at me. And as much as this will anger Iowa fans, I am going to say Wisconsin. Um, I enjoy covering Iowa for who Iowa is, um, you know, a program that develops players, has good citizens, good young men, um, coaches that care. I think you find all those things at Wisconsin as well. And the thing about Wisconsin is from a selfish standpoint, I love Madison. 
just like I love Iowa City. I love Iowa City more because I live here. But if I, I I'm I'm taking this question on a couple of different levels here or, or layers uh, to it. And for me, I want to know where I'm going to be happy living day to day and my family's going to be happy. And I think Madison would be a really nice place to live. I also like Ann Arbor quite a bit. Uh, that would probably be the, the one after that. I just don't know if I want to, would want to cover a, a program as high profile as Michigan and just with, you know, Harbaugh's a weirdo. So that kind of would, would um, kind of turn me off there. And I, I'm taking this from a football angle too, from basketball, um, which I think I, I, I'm not sure which, which, which uh, angle that you asked this question from Jake, but I took it from a football angle because the previous question was football, but I would have no, I would also like to cover Wisconsin basketball, great fans, great arena, uh, you know, solid coaches, um, developed players, a lot of similarities between Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, So I would probably go with, uh, with Wisconsin with your question. Thanks for that question, Jake. Uh, Chris Bryant at Detroit Hawkeye, not spelled like with a K, but a C, not like the uh, third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Um, assuming that Garza returns and Nunji and Bohannon return at 100%, what do you think the floor and ceiling for Garza's points per game will be? I was talking with, with Andrew Downs, who does the Hawkeye Nation podcast with me every Monday, and we were kind of talking about uh, you know, the player of the year and, you know, what Luca averaged this year, which I think was a shade under 27 points a game. Uh, if his numbers would be different with, with who's coming back next year and the makeup of the roster. And I think his numbers could go down and I think his minutes could go down. And I think, I'm not saying that will happen, but I think that's a possibility just because of Iowa being able to go with a deeper rotation and, and Fran McCaffrey's propensity for playing nine or 10 guys. And I know that's probably making people's face red right now <laughs> listening to that, but I think he's comfortable going deeper with a deeper rotation. Um, and I think he could save Luca, Luca a little bit of uh, wear and tear by not throwing him out there for whatever it was, 32 minutes a game. That's a lot for a you know, an almost seven footer, 250, 260 pound guy. I know Luca will play as long as you'd let him, but I, I would like to see him maybe be, um, you know, take some miles off of the, those treads a little bit and maybe keep him a little fresher. I think he could be even more effective that way. And his efficiency numbers could go up, even though his points per game might come down. I think he could rebound a little bit better with a little bit more energy, things like that. So, um, uh, ceiling wise, I mean, if they want to play him what they were playing him this year, um, and with the weapons we talked about with Bohannon and Frederick and uh, Toussaint and Connor McCaffrey and other guys that can spread the floor uh, and pass, he could average 30 a game. I, there were, I, it would surprise me another four points, three, three and a half points a game for Luca. I certainly think he could average over 30 points, but I also think he could settle in in the low twenties and Iowa would be fine uh, with some other guys picking up some of the slack there. So hopefully that answered your question. Thank you for the question, Chris. Um, let me check one more time. Uh, all right, I don't see anything there. I had a question, I think, from somebody who asked me something without using the hashtag. So give me a second to kind of filter through. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Jim Miles, senior, Hawkeye Jim 75. Jim, use that hashtag, man, or I'm going to miss your questions. Uh, but I did remember that you did ask about Gabriel Rubio. Uh, and Jim asks, after all, his tri- after all of his trips to Iowa and seemingly enjoying them, why doesn't Rubio want to come to Iowa? He narrowed his list to six, and Iowa didn't even make the cut. Something had to have gone wrong. You know, he had a who Gabriel Rubio is a um, St. Louis area defensive tackle, and um, he's committed to Notre Dame, and he committed to Notre Dame, I believe, last May or June. So we're going on a year of his commitment to Notre Dame. Um, and Iowa just doesn't beat out a lot of guys for kids that are going to Notre Dame. It doesn't beat out Notre Dame a lot for kids, I should say. So there's really – it was not a surprise to me at all. And he had, was, he had visited Notre Dame multiple times as well. Um, I think he'd be a great fit at Iowa. But that doesn't mean Iowa is the only fit for him. Uh, I don't think anything went wrong, Jim. I just think he chose Notre Dame, uh, which, has a, as we know, has a rich history of football, uh, is a blue blood. Um, and Iowa's going to lose a lot of guys to those programs. It's just the way it is. Um, and I got to know Gabriel a little bit during the process. And, uh, you know, I think he's a, a kid that, like I said, he would have fitted Iowa. I don't think he's a, you know, a prima donna by any means, but that doesn't mean that all guys that go to Notre Dame or Ohio State or Alabama are prima donnas. Those guys are really good football players. So I don't think there's any underlining nefarious reason why he didn't end up here, Jim. Um, he was a guy I would have loved to have seen come to Iowa, and I think he'd fit – would, he would fit great at Iowa, both from a football and a personality standpoint. But he found a home at Notre Dame, and uh, I wish him well. And I think that will be it from the Twitter folks. Uh, let me hop to our Hawkeye Nation football message board, because I think we did have one question from there, and then I think we had a Facebook question as well. So let's see here. Football-wise, and I think it's from my guy Motobasan is the one who asked today's question. Um, only, only one question today on the Hawkeye Nation message boards for football and basketball. A little surprise, little, uh, little disappointed in you folks out there on the Hawkeye Nation message board. I don't know if you don't like my answers um, or you had no questions or you're too wrapped up in the coronavirus thread, but uh, let's pick it up next week. I know I, like I said, I take responsibility for, for soliciting questions late this week, but uh, you guys have had all day here. You guys have had, um, you know, eight or nine hours to get something in, man, week, week effort. Anyway, I kid a little. Uh, here's Motobasan. Hey, Rob, exclamation point. Hey, Motobasan, thanks for the lone question from the Hawkeye Nation message board this week. I'd like to know how many Hawkeye football scholars will be available for the class of 2021. I know this is a fluid situation with transfers and such and such. What I am seeing with a number of talented recruits interested in the Hawks, I think we have a chance to have at the best O-line hall in many years. 
Yes, I would agree with that, Moda Bassan. I And it's, also, it's already a really good start to the 2021 class. Again, I encourage you guys not to pimp my own uh, copy, but I will pimp my own copy and stories. And uh, I did an interview with uh, Director of Recruiting for Iowa. Excuse me. Uh, Tyler Barnes, and uh, he talked about, you know, how pleased they are with the class, the eight commitments they already have in the 2021 class. And with the, the, the extended dead period now, they missed out on spring practice when they bring a lot of prospects through the building, let them, let them see the players work out and practice and get a feel for what it's like to be an Iowa football player. And then May is a month where Iowa coaches go out on the road and see these kids in their environments, whether they be playing spring football or baseball or whatever the sport is that they're participating in and they're, you know, in their given region of, and, or states in the country. And I was going to miss out on all that. The dead period goes through, uh, through May. Um, so the hope now is to get back on schedule for June camps, but we'll have to see if that comes about. But uh, yeah, Connor Colby, the, the, he gets overlooked. I mean, there's a kid offered by Ohio state and Michigan. Uh, and then, you know, right after camping at those places last summer and picking up offers, Notre Dame, I believe as well. Could be off on that. Let me click on Connor and see what type of offers he had. Yeah, he had Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, and Iowa State, um, you know, before his junior season of high school. So that gives you Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Um, He's 6'6", 275, maybe even a little bit bigger than that. This kid is, uh, this kid's got uh, Tristan Wirfs written all over him. I don't know if he's as well-rounded as an, of an athlete, uh, but may play with a little bit more of an edge than, than Tristan did, did when he was in high school. Tristan was more, I think he felt bad mauling people at times. I don't think Connor has a, a bit of um, uh, feeling sorry for an opponent. And uh, <laughs> He's a four-star on rivals, and I think Connor Colby's going to be a heck of an offensive lineman at Iowa. Jennings Dunker uh, from Lena, Illinois, um, another offensive lineman that's in this class. Um, and I think uh, there's, a, there's a possibility Jeff Bowie, the defensive lineman from West Branch, could be an offensive lineman, but uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. I think they'll give Jeff a chance to maybe get a look on the – on the defensive line as well. We'll see how that goes. But yes, Iowa's in on a lot of good offensive line prospects. And to answer your question, I don't believe Iowa's been under 20 signees in a class in the last decade. So you start at 20 and kind of go up from there. And as you know, 25 is the limit, um, depending on attrition and transfers and injuries and things like that. So it's going to be in that 20 to 25 range. And we'll see kind of, as you said, Moda Bassan. Uh, it's a fluid situation. So I would say don't expect less than 20. And usually it falls in that mid 20 or, or, or 22, 23 range. And then Iowa can push up to 25. Um, if, um, you know, there's attrition, which there usually is. So we'll keep an eye on that. And I think our last question may be on the HN Facebook page. I mean, hitting that the last few weeks and have had some folks um, check in there with a question or two. And I did have one on there and let me find that for you. Um, I actually have a few questions here. Um, Dan Figueroa on our Facebook page asks, 
What's wide receiver Oliver, Oliver Morton's status? Seems he decided to transfer to Iowa during a time we had a real had have real good depth at the position. Does he regret this move, or is he willing to wait to play more? Haven't had a chance to talk to Oliver about this. I know there's been some frustration. Uh, and there's always frustration when you don't get a chance to play. He wants to play, and he's a really good player. Uh, but he is behind, as you said, Dan, so, uh, uh, you know, guys that really played well. I mean, you're talking about a wide receiver group that's arguably the best in the Kirk Ferentz era, and it, and they're all coming back next year. So with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset and Nico Regani and Tyrone Tracy, where does – Oliver Martin fit in? Is he the fifth guy? Does he play well enough? And I think not having spring really hurts Oliver's chances of pushing those guys. Um, And will he have enough time in whatever preseason there is to push even farther? And can he do it once, if there is a season, once that starts in practice? So it's hard for me to see a path to more playing time for Oliver unless there's an injury. And then you also have Max Cooper, who took over that punt, punt return job last year. He played, he kind of seemed like he got on an even line of the depth chart with Oliver last year. So perhaps Oliver's even the sixth guy. So time will tell whether he's willing to wait or if he wants to move on. Um, I hope he stays. I hope he gets a chance to play and I hope he gets the chance to to show what he can do. I like Oliver and I think he's a really good player. Uh, let's see. We got, actually we've got more questions on here than I thought. Let's keep going on the Facebook page. Uh, Tom Anderson asks, with the spring sports getting another year of eligibility, does Connor get to come back to play just baseball for one season, or was this rule only for seniors? I believe that rule is only for seniors, but I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Tom. I did not uh, read it that closely, and I apologize for that. Um, I think that was just for guys that would have exhausted their eligibility. Um, which opens up another whole discussion of should everybody who lost this, why should it just be the seniors? But uh, yeah, so Connor would not fall under that senior category, which means he would be redshirt junior next year in both sports and just have to miss a baseball season, which is unfortunate. Uh, Zach Taylor asks, will Kirk be happy with another seven and five record this year? Um I don't, will he be happy with it, Zach? No, he won't be happy. He wants to win more than seven games. Steve Whitmore asks, is this page or its admins connected with the Des Moines Register? Stephen Whitmore on Facebook. No, we are not. We are our own independent entity, uh, HawkeyeNation.com. The Des Moines Register is something completely different. Jamie Robinson asks, anyone else getting a 403 error when attempting to pull up this site? Um, I am not, but we will look into that, Jamie. Thanks for the question. I sorry that's on the podcast. Uh, that's not the questions I was looking for for the podcast. Uh, Nathan Mertz uh, writes on the Hawkeye Nation Facebook page. Luca was gracious with him being hosed for the Player of the Year. This got me thinking. Can you name a more egregious example in Hawkeye history of a hawk not winning an award than Andre Woolridge not winning? player of the year in the big 10 any other egregious omissions you can remember in hawkeye history yeah it's funny nathan we were i did a poll on this after i believe it was either the ap or the i think it was after the ap player of the year award came out and obi top and uh 
took that home as we know as well over Luca, and I put bigger bigger snub um, Luca not winning National Player of the Year or Keith Duncan not winning the Groza Award as the Kicker of the Year last year, and Luca did win that. Um, but it was funny because a lot of the folks that wrote in about that said it was. Um, said it was Keith because Luca was a national award and Keith, Keith was clearly the, the best kicker in the country. So that's the one that kind of sits on, but Woolridge is a good one too. And that one will always probably annoy folks. Um, and then you can look at some other, you know, probably I'm trying to think now off the top of my head, Nathan, those are the two that, uh, that I can think of. So thank you for the question. Um, I think that's it, folks. I think that gets us through. I'll do one more look through on the Hawkeye on my uh, Twitter feed. Nothing there. Nothing on the, more on the Facebook, and nothing more on the website. So uh, that will uh, do it for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. For and this is April eighth. Uh, I will do, I will be back on next Wednesday, April the 15th, tax day. Um, That's not tax day this year. And we will record another one of these. And I promise I will get a, I'll I'll light the bat signal a little bit earlier for questions next week to get more of you guys in and and feel free to start, you know, especially on the message board, if you guys want to start a thread uh, for the next mailbag podcast earlier and drop questions in there, that's perfectly fine with me too, because my memory sucks. So (laughs) that would certainly assist me as well. But I appreciate you guys listening. I hope everybody out there is uh, healthy and uh, doing everything they can to keep they and their families healthy. Um, And we will hopefully get through this and get back to sports soon. And I appreciate your questions. And we will talk to you soon. Take care.